When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This is the Project Upland Podcast, presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode, I'm joined by Zach Hine of CZ USA and Sam Stein from Wyoming Wildlife Federation. Welcome back to the show for episode number 126. podcast is presented by onyx hunt creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters use the promo code pup20 to save 20 percent on your onyx hunt subscription today know where you stand with onyx and by yukonuba premium performance dog food if you want to get the most out of your dog you need nutrition that holds nothing back to help unleash your dog's maximum potential check out the new yukonuba premium performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com and by cz usa shotguns Shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, including the CZUSA Crowdsource Shotgun, which you're going to hear more about today. We'll save the rest of our CZUSA conversation for the episode, but you can always check out all their shotguns at cz-usa.com. And by Gumleaf USA, high-quality, handcrafted, premium rubber boots that stand the test of time. I'm late-season grouse hunting right now in my Viking neoprene models. They keep my feet dry, they keep my feet warm, and they keep me going in the grouse woods late into the grouse season. It's December. And I'm still wearing my favorite boots from Gumleaf USA. Head over to gumleafusa.com and use the promo code PUP10 
to save 10% on your next pair of boots. And by Dr. Callers. For over 30 years, Dr. has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and more to support bird dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. Head over to Dogtra.com to learn more. And by ESP, electronic shooters protection, custom fit, custom molded, electronic hearing protection that allows you to hear what you want to hear and blocks out everything that you don't. Learn more at ESPAmerica.com. And by Sage and Breaker, makers of gun cleaning products that protect legacies. The legacy of your firearm, the legacy of the sport, and the legacy of passing both down to future generations. Sage and Breaker lives, breathes, and makes everything at the highest caliber possible. In their products, in their pursuits, and in their vision, it's that dedication to crafting the highest quality products that give hunters and gun owners solutions that are reliable, convenient, and everlasting. And Sage and Breaker is proud to pass that caliber of craftsmanship on to you. And by Trinity Kennels, home of the Epignol Breton, French Brittany Spaniels from Champion Bloodlines, field tested and family approved for over 30 years. Learn more about Trinity Kennels by checking out Project Upland Podcast number 88 or by visiting trinitykennels.org. And finally by our friends at Dakota 283 Kennels, unparalleled protection, one-piece rotomole design, frame steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip. And from now until Friday, December 18. Head over to Dakota283.com and use the promo code GIFT2020 to save 10% from Dakota283. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Chris T. Chris was one listener in particular that wrote in, gave us some feedback on the podcast, suggested we cover pheasant hunting and work some of that into our conversations, which we have done this month, including last week's interview, a little bit on this week's interview, and coming up next week, we're going to be talking more pheasant hunting. So thank you to Chris, Project Up on T-shirt headed his way anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway all you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show you can do that by leaving us a rating leave us a review in your podcast app subscribe to the podcast share the podcast send us some feedback or a suggestion you can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com all right don't forget public grouse our one hour feature film done in collaboration with backcountry hunters and anglers onyx hunt and yukonuba sporting dog is now available for streaming on most major platforms platforms that includes itunes and amazon if you didn't get a chance to check it out at one of the public grouse screening events earlier in 2020 you can stream it from the comfort and safety of your own home today check it out online streaming public grouse all right let's get into today's interview we've got two former guests of the podcast marketing communications manager from cz usa zach hine and conservation ambassador for wyoming wildlife federation sam stein two friends of mine that i last caught up with at pheasant fest earlier this year which seems like a long time ago and speaking of pheasant fest that was the scheduled debut of the cz usa crowdsource shotgun but with the cancellation of pheasant fest 2021 we are bummed about that and we are most importantly bummed for our friends over at pheasants forever and quill forever we'll be looking for ways to support them in the upcoming year but with that said today we are talking about the cz usa crowdsource shotgun we're getting an upland recap from both zach and sam talk a little bit of sage grouse hunting a little bit of kansas pheasant opener and we mix in a whole bunch of other stuff as well so with that said let's welcome into the conversation and on to the project upland podcast zach hein and sam stein It's not fair that Zach's got like a whole studio thing going on. He does. He had this last time and we we actually, well, we were really, really diving deep on guns last time we had Zach on the podcast and we were, he and I were looking at some, of course, the listeners could not, but 
yeah, it, it's fun for the for the guests to look at, isn't it? It's nice. <laughs> it's like a whole little like gun shop scene. Well, it's kind of my happy place. It's like the redneck version of NPR. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the Project Helping Podcast, you two. Both former guests of the show and excited to have you back on to connect the three of us and catch up on a few things. It's upland bird season, but before we jump into that, how you guys doing? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, you know, it kind of sucks because you, sometimes you have to work. You have to come back from, from hunting and go back to work for a while. It's just terrible. I experienced that. I experienced that three times a week. I have to go back to work. So <sighs> three times, just terrible. three times a week, Sam. Yeah, three times. But then, you know, it's rough because I only get so many days off a month. So then on top of, you know, sometimes I only go to work eight, eight <laughs> times a month. And that's rough, you know, it's, but I'm, I'm fighting through it. So yeah, yep. I'm really in, I'm really in no place to um, get jaded about that or anything. Cause doing what I do, I've got pretty good flexibility to get out in the woods and being able to take advantage of the daylight. As you guys know, the days are get pretty short right now. So being able to get out in the afternoon and get back to the desk at night, like we're doing right now is, is a blessing for sure. Do you have any how, luck today? Yeah. How was your hunt today? So I had a pretty damn good hunt today. <laughs> nice. December, December has been, this is traditionally, I mean, I, I take what I can get in December right now. We're in this, we've had this ridiculous weather pattern where we've got relatively warm, which I'm, is above 30 degrees every day, which if you're active, that's no, no big deal. It's good for you. Good for the dogs dry. We got, we've had on and off snow here, but I've got areas that I can hunt that are relatively snow free. The birds are not entirely concentrated on their winter cover. And I've got a six month old puppy that is just taking full advantage of this bonus time. And I've put her into so many birds in the last week. It's it's almost getting crazy at this point, and she's doing really well. We uh we put a few in the bag tonight. You don't you don't hunt that thing like it's a puppy, by the way. Literally every time I see your Instagram, it's like you and a puppy. And I'm like, I thought he has an adult dog, but at this point, I'm pretty sure like Hartley's just been put put down or something, and you just didn't tell anyone. Well, I don't, Sam. I would assume you know this, but maybe not. Hartley is out for the season. He tore his ACL. Did I tell you that? No, I th- I saw a post that he was sick, and I was like, oh, like. I thought, okay. yeah, yeah I, I said he I was. On, I said he was on the injured reserve, and that's you probably that, saw that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's been kind of the weird thing about it. Like somebody actually messaged me the other day and said, "Has it been a blessing in disguise?" You know, obviously you wouldn't wish that upon Hartley to be out for the season. And what I kind of told him is, short answer, yes. Rose has definitely got all the attention this year out of necessity. I think in the early season, I was hunting with my friends and stuff enough where. I would have run Hartley at the same time that they had one of their dogs down and then I'm running Rose separately. So I don't think there would have been a ton of difference in the early season, but now late season, you know, I've only got time to get out for an hour a day. I would have been, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been balancing. Do I want to keep running Rose by herself? Do I want to run them together? I may have been running Hartley one day and Rose the next, whereas Rose is getting all the time and we're still trying to, you know, we're not hunting all day. We're running for a, 60 to 90 minutes and trying to keep it short and sweet, but we've been getting into the birds. So it's, that's perfect. Um, Especially if you're getting into the birds yeah. quickly. Yes. Yeah. And that's been, again, December in my experiences can be pretty hit or miss. We got birds stacked up on certain winter cover or food sources, but right now for whatever, I also think it's been 
I think this will pan out to be, I haven't tallied up my numbers, but I keep track. I think this is going to be oh, one of my most productive hunting years, and it's been good bird numbers in some of the core areas that I'm hunting, so that helps too. That's not good. bad with a puppy too. That's not bad no. at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, we dove right in here, but let's just um, let's do brief intros here, Sam. Tell us who you are and, and your association with uh, WWF a little bit. I, uh, I'm a conservation ambassador for Wyoming Wildlife Federation. I've uh, been with them for two years now. I moved to Wyoming three years ago, and I kind of jumped right in the conservation game. And then, you know, I I, I just do a lot of uh, – I try to do a lot of conservation events. So I try and help raise money for WWF and a few other NGOs. And uh, I just uh, – I got super lucky, and then I got connected with people like you and Zach. And now I get to uh, hang out with you guys. And uh, so I just kind of – you know, I like go to Wyoming. I work for like – four or five months do some do some like projects and stuff and then hunting season's just like hunting with my buddies all the time we just happen to be like nick and zach so it's sweet yeah yeah good deal and when we did dive into a lot of your conservation ambassador stuff wwf on on the previous episode that was man that was over a year ago now when i was out in lander for the the inaugural i guess films of the feathered event which we would say yeah yeah that was a blast that was a good time Zach, remind us and the listeners who you are. Not that Sam and I need a reminder, but we, we probably could use one too. <laughs> yeah. So my name is Zach Hine. I work over at CZUSA. I'm the marketing communications manager there. And uh, yeah, I get to work on all sorts of cool projects in addition to just the normal office stuff. But uh, one of the cool things I've been able to do in the last year is work on something we'll talk about a little today, which is the uh, crowdsource shotgun with uh, Project Up, and which turned into two shotguns. We ended up doing two. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, uh, pretty good gig, good place to work. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. We didn't really, we did not have much of a pre-conversation for this episode. I just mentioned that that would be a topic. And I, I'm really like, in the dark as far as like what we can and can't talk about. So I'll be as surprised as Sam is when we're talking about that. It's going to be fun. Uh, before we jump into some of that stuff, let's just do Upland update for the most part, because it is Upland bird season. Uh, I, I was lamenting a little bit on the episode that I just published today with Tyler Webster, how I'm kind of at the tail end here. I'm not, I don't have, a ton of runway left in front of me as far as upland birds go unless i were to get crazy and and take a trip somewhere but i have a feeling that's not quite the same for you guys so sam start with we'll start with you tell us what does your upland season look like right now and then we might do a little recap too um our unlike you our rough grouse is crap right now um so i live in jackson so unfortunately it's a good thing but we have all these things called winter closures so because of all the migrating and the deer that are entering their winter range, deer and elk and all these migrating ungulates, um, a lot of the areas that we do a lot of the rough grouse hunting in, which is like, you know, five minutes from my house, yeah. all that stuff's kind of closed December 1st. So we tried to finish that up pretty strong. Me and Bobby went out and it was just like birds aren't there. And if they are, they're just like in the trees. And so that's kind of cold. So I'm driving for my hunting and I'm again back down to down to the old old school lander but down there i mean it's still popping off i mean i was shooting ducks and geese down there two weeks ago and then pheasants and chucker last week and it and actually i found a great new chucker spot not by land actually not even by lander so nobody ignore that um 
<laughs> but I got into a whole bunch. You want me to cut that totally, out? Yeah, cut that. Go totally ahead and cut that out. Totally. So, so far from Lander, actually. <laughs> um, like, why would you even say that? Yeah, no, it's like, yeah. So it's actually Rander. So it's like Eastside. Oh, yeah. Similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's been, it's like probably the be- one of the best. I've seen more Chucker this last week than I ever have seen. And I missed every single one. But the dog was like. Finally, like three three years old, was like, oh, like point the birds. So like he was pointing, and I was like, yeah, there's no birds. And then there was like birds on every single point, and I was like, oh, I'm the problem. So I thought if you're shooting a CZ, you're not supposed to miss. That's yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a, that's a fact. <laughs> well, I definitely hit I mean, ground typically. or something. <laughs> yeah, you hit something. Birds, no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, for us, we actually just started. So uh, right. uh, the second weekend in November is when our upland season really kicks off. We have an early uh, prairie chicken season, but uh, but pheasant and quail here in Kansas kick off that second week in November. And so uh, it in Kansas, that's still, it could be really hot still. So yep. some years it's still 85 degrees and that just kills dogs. Um, but uh, this year it wasn't bad. It was still pretty warm, but uh it, it doesn't really kick off. At least I don't really enjoy it until we start getting some snow on the ground. Uh, okay. We start getting two, three inches of snow and pheasant hunting gets a lot of fun. So, so yeah, it's uh, once we start getting some snow, it'll really it'll be one of those things where I look at the forecast and take a few days off. So and get the heck out of here, go a little further West. I think he's lying. I've been to Kansas twice now in the middle of the winter and I've never seen snow. I've hunted. <laughs> in, I think the most I've hunted in Kansas is like, December, I think I might have worn a single hoodie. That might wow. be the most I wore. That's Kansas. Two it, years it, running. It could be two years 65 running. degrees. It could be 65 <laughs> degrees, and then two days later, it's blowing snow and drifting everywhere, and then it warms up three days later, and then all the snow's gone. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's Kansas. It's always, always, always changing. Uh, the only constant is the the wind. There will be wind. Sure. It may not be windy at this moment, but in an hour, it will be. So you can get really any kind of weather winter in Kansas, but give me a, like on an average year, will you, will you not really have, and I, I'm Kansas is a big state too, but will you not have snow cover for an extended period of time? Does it come and go? I mean, it depends on the year. It really yeah. depends on the year. Sometimes yeah. you'll get a big snow and then it stays cold for a while and it sticks around. Yeah. But I mean, it really depends on the year. There are some years where the winter is so mild um, that you never, I mean, you might get a couple little snows, um, but it just, it is, it's Kansas. You, you're not gonna be able to predict it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it really depends on the area. Um, a few days ago, Greensburg got, I don't know, six inches of snow and it was just a little swath through, through South central Kansas. Uh, and I was hunting two and a half hours North and it was warm and completely dry. So yeah. um, I really should have dipped down South and gotten into the snow, but I didn't. Well, that's the current state of affairs for you guys. Sam, let's rewind a little bit because I know that you would have got started in September probably. Tell me about your bird season to date a little bit. Uh, August 28th is the August 28th, okay. is the Idaho opener and living on the border. It's sweet because oh, Zach's kind of mad about that. Um, <laughs> I hunt I hunt last year. So after we did that project up in film, I met Bobby. Yep. And I don't know, whatever, like weird – magic I had on him where he was like, Oh, look at this idiot. Like I will take him under my wing. So <laughs> I've hunted with him exclusively this whole year in the end of last year. So August 28th, me and Bobby were out in Idaho 
shooting grouse. And then we went over to sage grouse. I actually ended up getting COVID. Um, like right in the I middle have, of sage grouse. I may have heard about that a little bit while I was with our, our mutual friend Chet. Yeah, kind of a blessing in disguise because <laughs> really, I got yeah because like I I found out I got it right when everyone got here. Oh, that's and then true. Yeah. I had like ten days off, and it it ran to the end of sage grouse. So I went out to the I went I went out every day for sage grouse season this year, well, and I think I, I shot mean, a bird. If you have to. You might I was as like, well. oh, I have to, <laughs> and so I I got out every day for sage grouse, and then I I I didn't even I didn't even bother with like big game this year, which is kind of crappy but yeah and then from sage grass i went up to Ch- i went up to jets with bobby we shot a whole bunch of quail oh, it's insane and then uh and what kind of quail are those again valley quail valley quail yeah, yeah. and that was like that was so much fun because last year i couldn't hit a single bird and then <laughs> and then this year over the summer i i shot i think twice a week with bobby nice. at, at uh at like the range and so i was just crushing i was just crushing quail up at chats with bobby and chat and that was that was great. And then, uh, so I had sweet quail season and then we went back to a, a little bit of rough grouse and then, uh, a little bit of ducks and like, it's just been, it's been a real mixed bag, but yeah. I mean, I, I can't complain. It's been the, the dog work, the dog alone has just like, this is like finally the year where like everything is really like tuned up where everything is like, I'm not constantly like beeping him or yelling at him. He's like, he'll, he'll make some mistakes, but for the most part, I mean, I really can't like, sure. I, I can't brag about him enough. Like I'm, I've hunted with people where I'm like, oh my god, like that's that's a bad dog. Like I, I actually don't have a bad dog. Like that's a bad dog. <laughs> so it's been great. So it's like you know, it's and yeah, I'm, I'm I've been I've been able to travel a bunch hunt with with you guys and yeah, I can't complain. It's been best best bird season so far. So what he's saying, he's gotten he's gotten to hunt behind some of my dogs. He's like, hey, bandit's doing great. <laughs> no, no, you, you, your dogs are great. I'm not worried about your dogs. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to getting a little pup date from you, Zach, when we get to that oh, point. It's but but adorable. Sam, remind us, Bandit, the <laughs> bread boy, bread boy, famous wine. Yeah, uh, how old now? He's he's four. He's uh, four. he just okay. he just turned four, but this is his third season. All right, and uh, yeah, the the reason he's named Bread Boy though, because I don't know if everyone knows, I was at Chet's house the other owner of Northwoods Collective. Yep. <laughs> and we were going we were running an errand. He's like, "Oh, your dog's fine out of the kennel, right?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, no problem." And it, I think it was like a like he had specifically went to the store that day to get a loaf of bread because his wife was like, "Hey, go get a loaf of bread." Like that's the one mission for the day. And we came back and the wrapper was like just destroyed on the kitchen. The whole loaf was gone. And I was like, "Oh my god." But like, he didn't eat the wrapper at least. He, he didn't eat the wrapper, but he tore it up and ate the entire loaf of bread, which is like the one thing we were supposed to bring back that day. So Chet was like, uh, dude, your your dog ate a whole loaf of bread. I was like, yeah, he's done that before. Has Bandit ever been in a kennel? Now he does. Yeah, now he's in a kennel. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I hate putting him in it because he'll whine, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you did get that early start, right? But. I screwed up. That's a lesson to everyone out there listening. Kennel right. dog. That's... Great, great train the dog. Yeah. Yeah. My mistake. My <laughs> be. My be. Hey, that's all right, man. You you can't be expected to do things perfectly right from the get go, right? Yeah. I've been I've been experiencing. I mean, I I went through it with Hartley six years ago. First bird dog. Like the things I'm doing differently with Rose. I wouldn't say they're dramatic, but just actually having some sort some semblance of a clue on like, okay, if I do this. It's probably not going to screw up the dog, and right. it'll probably help her and train her and add some structure to her life. So yeah, I think you know. I just find so much more patience yeah. is the thing. Like this year yeah. when he screws something up, I'm like, oh, like 
he he might not have gotten those sent. Like it wasn't like he was trying to blow birds. Now it's like oh he just like I didn't really set him up for success. I'm not gonna like try and correct him in the field. I'm gonna like yeah. play it again. And you know sure enough, it's like oh he'll get the wind and you know pro- like it fixes itself. So. Well, I think the more dogs you have, the more, the you know, as it progresses, as you get another dog and another dog, I think the sense of timing is the thing that I'm noticing the most is because yeah. I'll do something and it might just be a basic obedience thing in the house, but I know when to expect that dog to like, ah, she's going to test me and I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Expecting it, ready for it and able to correct immediately. And, and it's just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're in charge. I forgot. And I don't know. I get timing part. Cause Cause when you, you know, your first or, you know, first or second dog, you're, they've already, you know, done the thing and are two steps beyond it by the time you realize, ah, I needed to correct that. And, uh, you know, just for the basic obedience stuff and just kind of establishing, you know, who's in charge and all that. And I think the timing things, the thing that I noticed the most is just being ready for it and being on top of it. So that's, I don't know, having this, this little puppy in the house is, uh, has been great, but. Man, yeah. it's the cu- it's the cutest puppy I've ever seen. I forgot how much pain puppies are. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I've been reminded of that a little bit over the last six months too. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's worth it. It's well, excellent. once hunting season rolls around, I mean, definitely the there's a bit more slack that's cut. But we're also kind of we're also past the really really young stage too, and they they get better quickly. Oh yeah, yep. Well, especially with consistency. I mean, that's yes. Yeah, that's and where it's at. All the exercise and the stuff that they're getting to do this time of year, I think all that helps really. Absolutely. Yeah. Zach, you said you were Kansas is really just getting going, but I know you did some did a little bit of hunting prior to that. Tell us about your upland season a little bit, maybe some some of the trips or hunts you got to go on so far. Yeah. So um basically started out really the upland side of things, uh yeah. out in yeah. In Wyoming with Sam. Uh, well, would have been with Sam, but he ditched us. Uh, found a <laughs> convenient that excuse. Old, and, that uh, old COVID thing. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's pretty easy to, to get him to give you a false positive, I think. So <laughs> he wanted to, to hunt solo, and so he did. I was heartbroken. Uh, I was. I apologize uh, to all of you individually. <laughs> I made a lot of phone calls. People were like, you were yeah. sick. It wasn't your fault. And I was like, I know, but I'm sorry. <laughs> No, but, uh, but we had a, we had a pretty, I mean, it was a, it was a good sage grouse hunt for us. It was rough. We, it took a lot of miles to get into them. But once we got into them, um, we got some of the guys that were with us, got to see some pretty good success. So, yeah. um, that's a, that's kind of a, a holy grail bird for some people. I mean, some of the guys I was with, you know, never thought they would even get to hunt a sage grouse, um, let alone shoot one, which was, yeah. was excellent. Like they were, they were happy with the experience after we even saw uh, our first family group, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a definitely a memorable hunt. There was a lot of walking. And when we finally first got, got into our first set of birds, I think we had straight line, 60 mile an hour winds and, uh, trying to shoot a bird once they got a little bit of go behind them. Yeah. Man, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it was comical. <laughs> so we, um, so I actually, I, a funny story. So we, when we were out there the first day before I found out that I had been exposed to COVID, I was out with Will and Chet and Kevin Murphy and Kevin Murphy's buddy. And um, this weird thing kept happening. We we're walking out and it was like kind of stormy and we'd raise our guns up and you'd hear like a zinging in the air. And we were like, that's really weird. And like the higher you rose your gun, it would be like, mm, and it would get even higher. And um, 
So we like kept doing it and I was like, that's weird. And we'd like, it would like go away. And then like an hour later, it'd come back and it was like really starting to buzz. And all of us were like, oh, like that's kind of weird. Well, I recently, <laughs> I recently found out. Zach, was that you who told me? Yeah, yeah, it might have been me. I, I think the winner is the <laughs> one. You want to tell what it was? <laughs> the winner is the one that can get it to co- stop zinging because that's the guy who gets hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it turns out it's like the the conductivity of like the lightning storm right above you, and that's what that yeah. zinging is. So when it gets to a certain pitch, which probably wasn't that far off, you get hit yeah. by lightning. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Chet Chet told me that story when we were in South Dakota a couple weeks ago, and it was <laughs> like I feel like maybe it 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 wasn't totally. I'd never heard of it happening to a shotgun barrel and people that were hunting, but I've done enough fishing to know, you know, if there's lightning, you know, you get off and you don't hold your rod up in the air, kind of thing. <laughs> and like the way that that Chet told it to me, it was like. It was like kind of anticlimactic because I'm like, man, I feel like if you hear your gun barrel humming, like you're getting struck by lightning. But apparently nothing happened, right? And it's not like. And I also asked if you guys turned and went back to the truck, and the answer was no. No, we had birds to shoot. <laughs> no, they, they they tried to find the highest hill and see who could hit the highest right. note with their gun. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, look, was there, mine's was louder. there a difference between the single barrel guns and the double barrel guns? I mean, what was what was going on with the pitches and the frequencies? I thought it was – at first I didn't say anything. I noticed it first because I think I'm the tallest. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. Sam. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm using the Upland Ultralight, so it's like aluminum maybe. So like maybe it's like my metals are weird. And then I'm like, uh, Chet. And so I like bring Chet over. I'm like hey, – because like Chet's basically like a dad figure to me now. I was like yeah. – um is your gun doing this? And he was like, uh, that's weird. And then, when I, and then Will was like, uh, yeah, my gun's been doing that for like a long time. <laughs> so nobody got struck. So that's good. I know, but <laughs> man, oh man. I, in 2020, how did in something 2020. bad not happen there? Seriously. I mean, <laughs> it's 2020. Everything bad happens this year. So you somehow lucked out. Cause that's I got COVID good. instead. Yeah. It was COVID you or did. lightning and the well, way that the probably... way the dice rolled. The way the way things worked out, it sounds like that probably would have been better. Sage grouse season fourteen day, ten day. How many days is it in Ele- Wyoming? It was eleven days. This eleven. Year, I okay, and we I know we talked about that last time you were on. Obviously, that short of a season, there's concerns for the birds, that sort yeah. of thing. Which again, we went into and we've talked about. Some listeners may be familiar with. What's your take on what did you see for birds this year? How was it? Um, I feel I feel bad because uh, I gave. Zach and the guys, a bunch of spots after I had to go into quarantine and they, and I was still out hunting in different spots and I shot a bird every day. I think there was only one or two days where I got one bird, but every day I was going out, I was getting limits. So for me, it was like, it was a really good season, but I think part of that is the fact that my dog gets run on him, you know, nine months a year. So I think he just, I think I noticed that the other, I mean, the other dogs are, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, Oh, it's the best dog in the world. You know, there's plenty of other better bird bird dogs out there. But when it comes to sage grouse, he just, I mean, he's kind of dialed and he starts to act funny and the other dogs kind of run past it. Sure. And I start watching it. And then I, I've noticed, especially this year, he just like, he just, he slammed them. And so for me, it was, for me, bird numbers were good. I hunted a different area than I did last year than, and that Zach went down to. So if Zach says it was bad and I know Zach walks, so it must not have been good down there, but um, <laughs> I felt bad. Yeah. Cause I had a, I had a. Had a really good sage grouse season oh, yeah. this year. I think we we kept getting to spots where we would see uh, we'd see a bunch of people had clean birds, so they'd obviously been there right before us. Yeah, and uh, and so you know it was just uh, I think we just got got a you know 
little unlucky, but uh, everybody else that I talked to had a really good season. Uh, I think numbers were very good there. Um, and we, uh, we walked a lot. I think uh, last year we walked 20 and a half miles before we got into the first group of birds. We definitely did more than that this year before we got into the first group of birds. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. All right, I'm going to ask you guys both this, and I'm going to start with you, Zach. But I hunted sage grouse one and only only one time back in 2018, and I I still recall seeing the endless sage flats, beautiful country in its own in its own right, and I enjoyed walking it. But again, to my like novice eye, like there was nothing that really stood out to me. Like we were kind of had in the back of my head, hey, we're looking for maybe a, a pothole or water or something, but. There's just like, was really nothing there to stick out. And so Zach, I'm going to ask you, and then we'll go to Sam next. But like, when you strike out from the truck, what are you looking for? How are you trying to find sage girls? What are you looking for in the habitat and the cover? Um, I'm just paying attention to the ground, uh, trying to find, you know, fresh droppings. Um, yep. just find, trying to find places where they're roosting. Um, okay. and the funny thing is right before we saw our first, the first group that we actually got into, uh, we're walking along and I see feathers and what i thought was like guts like intestines like something had eaten something there and it didn't click to me that i had never seen droppings that fresh before ah and those were just droppings that hadn't dried out so when when sage grouse droppings dry out they they you know they turn yellow then they turn white and they get yep. kind of powdery and porous uh but they when they're like fresh basically all the other gallinaceous birds when poop, they're fresh they look like much. guts they look like yeah. intestines yeah. Um, and I'd never seen any that fresh, uh, which is, you know, kind of a testament to the, the few sage grouse I've ever gotten into. I haven't really gotten yeah. into that many, but, uh, <laughs> it really kind of baffled me for a minute and it, it wasn't until the next day until I realized, oh, how dumb am I? That's what that was. <laughs> so, so you didn't actually move that bird when you saw those fresh droppings. Uh, we moved them five minutes later. Oh, okay. So, you did. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know if they were just moving out in front of us or what, but, yeah, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, we moved them a while later, but they were, okay. they were downwind of us a ways. So, all right, Sam, what do you look for? Um, I look, I look terrain. So I'll start with like a, like a water source. Okay. And like, you know, they, I mean, like experts say, like, I think it's like two miles. They can be up to two miles to two to four miles from a water source. And I don't know if that's like old local speak, but I'll start with a, water source and I'll kind of get on a hill above it. And the big thing I look for is they're not going to, they'll be by the water source in the morning or the afternoon, but like, they're not always going to go to the same one. And there's really no way to get inside like a sage grass head. So what I do is I'll kind of go, that'll be my starting point, And then I'll make circles around it. And what I'll do is I'll get on a hill and I'll look out and everything's the same, right? It's all sage. That's what they yep. eat. That's what they hide in. But the big thing that I notice is that they're not in this like knee high, shin high, this knee high stuff. They're in this shin high stuff. And a lot of times what I've noticed is that where you get into them is kind of like these barren spots. So you'll kind of look out in the sage and all of a sudden you'll see like, it'll get real patchy. And in some of the patchy areas, you can tell that they'll kind of go out and they'll sit in those patchy areas. And I think it's almost like geese where they'll kind of post a couple century birds or, you know, they'll have kind of a couple birds that are paying more attention and the other ones are milling around the sage. So for me, I almost always find them when I, when I do this is I'll go on that hill and I'll see like three or four of these patch spots and I'll walk through and I'll either get into them on the edges of those patches or like in between those patches. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I, I gotta be honest, I have a lot of success doing that. You like, you have to walk a lot just because like there's, you know, so much land versus yep. so many birds. Another thing too, is you can find like a fresh feeding area is they don't have uh, crops. 
So they throw up. And when they throw up, it's like a green little puke pile. Really? Yeah. And what you do is it'll 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 cover over like with a hard, like weird, tacky dry out. But what you do is if you take like a stick and you put it through and if it like breaks through and there's still goo, I, I mean, you're within 500 feet of you're in, Yeah, you're in the right area. So like a lot of the times, like this, this time with chat last this year, I, I was an idiot and I like was looking at it and I was seeing it and I was poking it and I was like, oh, they're around here. And sure enough, like the dogs were acting kind of weird and I like wasn't really paying like a lot of attention and we pushed through this point and all of a sudden – six birds got up and I was like, yeah. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> not paying any attention. <laughs> so it was, it was one of those things that can I actually, I totally forgot. Can I, uh, can I plug something real quick? Do it. Go for it. So WWF Wyoming wildlife federation, one of our raffles that we're doing that ends this month is actually a sage grass hunt. It's a guided sage grass hunt. It's ah. with me. It's a full, I think, I think we're doing two or three days. I mean, we can figure it out, but uh, any donation you do to WWF can be as low as $5 for the next month. We'll pick, in January 1st, January 2nd is when we're going to pick, but it's not only a hunt with me, but it's a hunt with me and Bobby Holik, uh, nice. who I don't know if some people know. Stanley Cup champion. Stanley, two times Stanley Cup champion, 20 year NHL career, <laughs> CZ ambassador. Um, so yeah, it's a great way if people do, if they're hearing about sagegrass and they want to go, it's an, it's an easy way to, to win a guided sagegrass hunt and hang out with me and Bobby Holik, who's way more interesting than me, but He's hilarious. I think I might <laughs> enter that drawing. You should. You should. <laughs> okay, so let's get the details since we're talking about this thing. If they win the hunt, is it they they got to figure out a way to get to Wyoming? Yeah, they're on they're on their way here, but uh, we're gonna work on lodging. We're gonna okay. we're gonna make it as painless as possible. Gotcha. This was just discussed today. I wanted to make sure I had it all detail oriented before we did. Bobby, I talked to Bobby. He's in. Cool. So yeah, it'll probably be like, you know at least two days, if not three, you know, really just trying to just basically hanging out in Wyoming and we'll go out and we'll get a bird, probably take it to dinner. Yeah. Um, just real kind of a, a casual, a casual cool way to go out and like guarantee that you're going to get a sage grouse and hang out with NHL winner, Bobby Holik. Well, I can attest to attending events and or shindigs put on by Sam Stein. I have attended one myself and Sam was essentially the host when I was out there had a blast. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Sam Sam took amazing care of uh, all of us that were out there. Tyler Webster, Ron Bain, a bunch of folks. It was very entertaining. So anybody even considering donating to Wyoming Wildlife and taking a chance on this, I would highly encourage you to do so because I can imagine it would be a fun time. Yeah. Thanks. Let me plug that. Sorry. I should <laughs> oh, tell yeah, you no before. <laughs> no problem. So the biggest bummer for me in not being able to meet up with you two guys in Kansas a couple of weeks ago was that during the off season, when Zach told me about this trip, I was all excited. I went home to my parents' house. I dug up my old hockey card binders. I still got my old binders <laughs> with all my hockey cards in there, organized by team, went to the New Jersey Devils. I wasn't sure. I was pretty sure I was going to have a whole league card, but I didn't know. Sure enough, I did find one Bobby whole league card. I've got it. I have it with me now, and I was really excited to bring it to Kansas, but we'll have to make that happen another time. <sighs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love seeing what his reaction is to it. <laughs> well, and and I it's it's weird because the some of the some of the weirdest times I meant, I just make a mention of Bobby cause, cause I, you know, I didn't grow up in a big hockey family. My dad's in hockey, but, uh, it's not like it was passed down and we watched hockey or anything, but, uh, yeah. but 
I'll, I'll just make a random comment to somebody about, you know, well, you know, Sam and Bobby came out for this hunt. And, and I, I, if I mentioned Bobby Holy, it's, it's incredible that sometimes, you know, the people who know him, know yeah. him, they're yeah. like, seriously? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's Bobby Holy. I mean, yeah, he's Bobby. He's, um, I probably I probably know him more from like the NHL video games than I do like watching. That's hilarious. Day, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Nah, and he's just he's just the nicest guy ever. It, um, he's a, he really is. He's the man. He's like a he's a local celebrity here in Jackson. I feel like we're talking too much about Bobby, and he's not here. So yeah, well, he's man. <laughs> people need to check out the film. Uh, There's a, a film with Sam and Bobby where they met, um, kind of talking about sage grouse, talking about uh, Wyoming Wildlife Federation, and uh, it was Bobby's first chance to actually chase sage grouse, which was really really neat. So, is that film viewable right now? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, because I knew that I saw it before it was live, but I I I couldn't recall if it was publicly available. So yeah, that was a Wyoming sage grouse hunt, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last year? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. I think though I've seen it up on the uh, Wyoming Wildlife Federation YouTube channel. Okay. Um definitely check it out there. Um and it's probably up on the Northwoods Collective one uh, yes. on YouTube as yeah. well. Yeah. I'm going to link well. it in the show notes for sure. What's the film called? Do you remember Sam? Worth protecting. Worth protecting. All right, sweet. Yeah, I remember it. I loved it when I saw it. Well, I'll, I'll throw that in the show notes so folks can check that out. Let's get up to speed on the new pup, Zach, because the last oh, time you yeah. were on here, which would have been, that was probably sometime this summer or something, pup was on the way, I think. I don't know. We, we may not even have had her when the last time we were on here, but so yeah, we exactly. picked up a, a field bred cocker. So um, I've only ever had pointing dogs and uh, one of the, I mean, I've, I've had big hairy pointing dogs too. So I got a, a GWP and a Chesky Fosick. Um, and they're not really warm weather dogs. So early in the season here in Kansas, I mean, if you've got a hot opener, um, you're going to burn up dogs surprisingly fast. You're just, they, you know, they get warm. Uh, so a, a liver long haired dog on an 80 degree day, it's not working. Yeah. Um, so, so we, we talked a lot about, uh, smaller breeds and lighter colored dogs. Um, and so we ended up with a white and, uh, lemon, um, kind of a roan cocker from uh, juggernaut and uh she is a sweetheart it's uh, she's excuse a button oh my she gosh is dang, i see pictures of her and she like she looks like my dog i mean yeah. like <laughs> my my six-month-old setter is like you know orange and white and like your dog looks dang near the same the coloration on this litter was yeah. was beautiful and uh her mom yeah. when you look at her mom you look at the proportions you go something's not quite right about that britney uh, <laughs> her, mom, her mom looks like an, an orange Brittany, like. Yeah, but you, then you're yeah. like, eh, it's not quite right. right. And these puppies, yeah. they kind of look. They're, they're very setter esque. They've got a, a long nose, um, yeah. and they're just it's really, really good looking pups. And she's got a ton of energy. Um, I've hunted her. Uh, you know, I, I say hunted her with air quotes, but uh, yeah. but had her out in the field. Uh, probably five fields now. So uh, we're talking probably a. I don't know, one mile walk for me. Um, and she's got so much energy. Um, and you put her in a CRP field that has four foot CRP and it is just hilarious watching that little <laughs> dog go because she just, she's bouncing everywhere. So, um, and she's really kind of figuring out quartering and all that. I'm, I'm not putting any pressure on it at all. And she is just, she, it's fun to watch her. So I can't wait to actually uh, get her a little bit older and, yeah. and get her some bird experience. So are you, so. are you trying to tailor the hunts at all at this point? Like put her in some tamer cover, lower cover kind of thing? 
Yeah, and I'm yeah. also trying to, conf- you know, I'm keeping it to, so I, I do most of my hunting on walk-in hunting access here in Kansas. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's all private land that's been enrolled in a program so that people can hunt it uh, as if it's public land. Um, and so with that, I'm really picking and choosing our fields really, really carefully. Um, the ones I mainly have put around have waterways that are, um, you know, they're native grasses. They're kind of the bunch grasses that pheasants like, and then picking smaller waterways where it might be big enough for like two or three people to walk it with a dog or two. Um, and that's gonna be the perfect thing for her. So those, those kind of keeper confined, it might have, you know, crop or, uh, you know, like green weed around it or something that kind of helps her focus on, this cover as opposed to just a big wide open. But the beautiful thing about her is she doesn't want to be very far from you. Um, so she's, she is back and forth and quartered in front of you and she'll go from the person on the left to the person on the right and right back to you and look at you. And when you just, you know, you just keep on walking and she does it again and again and again. And (laughs) I've really not, I mean, I just put her in the field and started walking. So, uh, she's coming along really nicely. That's awesome. What was your preseason like with the pup leading up to it? Because you, I think you got this pup. Was it around the, like, when was she born? Do you recall? We picked her up middle of August. Middle of and August. So okay. Was, so she was definitely she was younger young. than my pup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we were looking like when COVID first kicked off at the very beginning of March, I went to my wife and I said, this is going to be a little bit. We got to get a puppy. Um, and so that's when we, we made the decision early March to get a puppy. And so I started texting people I knew, calling people I knew and saying, Hey, um, anybody, you know, that is a good breeder of cockers. Cause I knew that was going to be our next dog. And so, uh, basically just went down the rabbit hole, texting and in- Instagram and people and, and everything and just seeing what all the options were, were, and some of the suggestions seemed really good. And so I started kind of cross-checking and call, and like saying, <laughs> hey, how, what do you think about this person? And I finally kind of got directed in a way that, that put me at Juggernaut, which um, I'm very, very happy we ended up getting a puppy from, from Jordan. So are uh, they, where are they out of? Oh, Michigan. Okay. Wisconsin. Okay. Michigan, Wisconsin. I don't know. It's somewhere out uh, there. Is it the it same was a place, long drive. Is it the same place that Ron Bame got his dog from? Do you know? Yes. yes okay. That's Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure. Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As, a, as a Kansas guy, for some reason, it's, it's just all up there. Be lumping us all in the same bunch, Zach. There's <laughs> 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 a big uh, difference. <laughs> yeah. So as a previously pretty much solely pointing dog guy now you're in the world of field bred cockers did you have any big concerns what were you kind of most like keyed in on with the flushing dog and exposure if anything what were you thinking about the most well i mean i'm i'm lucky i've been able to see some really good ones work okay Um, and so i think it was probably four years ago um i got to work i got to hunt behind a couple of uh of pretty good field bred cockers and, and getting to see them work and getting to see the energy and the fact that that little dog can go underneath the grass. Yeah. And I mean, when they're on a, they're on a pheasant, they're down there and you know, they have so much more speed, um, underneath the grass than some of the big dogs busting through the grass. So, um, I, I got lucky and got to see them work and that really, um, just really, I never knew you could have a dog that small that would be that good on pheasants. Yeah. Um, and so it really kind of, 
you know, I knew at that point I was going to have a cocker. Um, I thought I'd have a cocker before now. I pretty much came out of that weekend. I, I got some, some contacts, those guys that had them, and I was going to get one that next year when they had puppies. And the litter ended up being only three dogs. And I was like number four or number five on the list. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, it, it was, once I saw them work, I knew that I had to have one. And especially I really wanted a, a light colored dog. Cause I just, I've got to have some, some hot weather dog, uh, dog power. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. man, that Chesky Fosk of mine has a really, really heavy coat and she's a liver dog and she just gets warm fast. So what's pup's name? Hilda. Hilda. So we've got, uh, Freya, Gerda and Hilda. Freya, Gerda and Hilda. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Good. They're what's, easy names to yell. <laughs> they, yeah. Well, they, they, and they end in a, uh, so you can yeah. really let them hang on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we like the old school, old school names and, uh, you know, it just, it just kind of worked. So, so she's, so Hilda's young, but have there been any highlights yet? Has she, has she picked up a rooster? She's popping birds. What's going on? You know, she's so far, she's not been that interested in, in pheasants and roosters. Okay. Uh, we've, we've had a really good year for quail. And so I've had a ton of quail to be able to throw around for her. And she, she retrieves every single quail you throw out there. Um, unfortunately, I haven't shot a bird over her yet, but you throw a pheasant out there. She runs over to it and she looks at it. She's like, this is as big as I am. <laughs> and she's like, ah, not, not yet, quite. bro. Not yet. So I gotta, I gotta, I can't push her too hard, but, uh, but yeah. for quail, she's, she's retrieving like crazy. And I finally actually have a couple coveys that I've located pretty close to my house. And so, cool. uh, once it gets a little bit colder, um, I'm going to take her up there. Um, and we're going to try to get her on some quail. So awesome. Yeah. All right. Transitioning a little bit. This is something that's been on my mind this week and it has a lot to do with last week, just getting into so many birds and like getting at a point in the season where I'm pretty much hunting by myself and things have slowed down for me. So I've, this has happened to me before. I used to have a GoPro. I don't have one right now, but I'm thinking about getting another GoPro. Now my puppy's getting into all these birds and I'm just like kicking myself thinking, man, this would be cool to have on camera. And so I've been looking at that and I know you were doing some stuff with filming hunts and you were doing some off season stuff and you had some cameras going, Zach, tell me what's the status where have you been filming stuff? I have, um, I've got a bunch of, uh, footage in the can, but, uh, okay. getting the time to actually get stuff up is tough. Right. So, right. So, right. you know, the guy from, uh, the bird tales, saving Adams. Yep. Yep. So he really he inspired on, he me. He was a guest on the podcast. Yep. And so he really inspired me. I love, I love the, uh, the film angle, the camera angle he gets with his little yep. over, over the shoulder rig. And so, uh, yeah, I, I built my own little over the shoulder rig that, uh, is hooked to my, hooked to my hunting vest. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun until you walk like 10 miles and don't see a bird and you run out of, I mean, you run out of battery. Uh, Usually I run out of battery first. And then as soon as it runs out of battery, you run into a covey of quail or something. Um, (laughs) It it just never fails. So it's, it's one of those things where I, I, it's an ebb and flow of frustration uh, of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'll turn it on for a little bit when things look like they're going to get good. And then I forget to turn it off and then I turn it off and then the birds are there. So, right. It's a fancy little rig too. You feel like you're on the set of like a new star Wars. He's got this like exoskeleton to it. There's this weird camera swinging in your face. Every bird we shot, I was like, Hey, did you get that? He's like, "Ah, I forgot. (laughs) That's the problem. I'm, I'm well aware of the, give and take sort of the resistance of technology and like how much is too much and when does it become a nuisance to your hunts. And I think that's why I'm not running one right now. And 
you know, I had one before and I fiddled with it a little bit and it just, I'm, I'm obviously a hack when it comes to editing video. So like, I don't know really what can be done, but I just know that the footage that I was getting when I, when I did it, it just was like, it wasn't such that I felt like, gosh, I got to be capturing this. But now, I mean, I know they're trying to sell the new cameras, but if you look at some of the stuff with like the new GoPro nine and like what it can do and knowing like the big thing for when the GoPros first came out, they were all about the wide angle because that makes a lot of sense for a lot of applications. But when it comes to up and birds and stuff, that wide angle, like it feels like you're a mile away from the bird. You can't see anything. Yep. But now I know that they're, the resolution is such that you can record stuff and you can zoom in and crop and crop and like you can actually get in close. So I don't know how much you've done with any of that, but I'm, I'm like steps away from getting another GoPro because I want one. But now well, you should. I yeah, mean, it's one of those I things. Uh, I, I, I talked, I, you know, I basically said that I was going to do this, going to do this, going to do this for so long. Yeah. And, you know, with, with young dogs and there are so many moments that I, I'm, I'm really bad with memory. Like yeah. if I, if I keep a hunting journal, uh, that helps so much. Um, but I have a terrible, terrible, terrible memory, uh, as far as moments and stuff. So certain, certain moments really stick in my mind. Um, but there are so many cool experiences and I'm, you know, a, every once in a while I'll, I'll get on a kick and I'll do hunting journals for a while and then I forget to do them. And, you know, it's kind of like these, I'm getting really good video of dogs, you know, kind of progressing. So yeah. like my, my dad's dog, Sage, who is just a, a stellar, stellar dog, um, getting to see him in his first you know, this is his second season, but it's like his first season when he knows what he's doing. And so, I don't know, it's just really special to actually be able to relive it and see it again. So, I don't know. I I really like that. I like the visual aspect of it because it's more than just a just a hunting journal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I've, I've, I've talked about a little bit here, like with the notes and the statistics and stuff that I track. It's all really to give me context as I look back and reflect on stuff because – I don't know if the science, I have a feeling the science would prove this, but I feel like today the stuff that we, gets put in front of us if you're on social media and that kind of stuff, like the amount of content that we consume, I have a, I have a strong suspicion that that affects our ability to remember some of this other stuff. And cause I mean, I, I think of like some of the older gentlemen that I know, like at hunting camps and stuff, like they recall these stories and there are some stories that I can recall like that. And maybe it's just a highlight reel, but it seems like there's, there's kind of an art form to recalling and really being able to vividly tell those stories. And man, we, we, we have a lot of garbage that goes in front of our eyes <laughs> today. I feel like a lot of stuff that doesn't need to be remembered. <laughs> well, we're, we're in the age of information where any answer we need, we can get, right. We don't have right. to remember things. So right. it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. So before before we leave that, which we will quickly, but are you running a GoPro on your rig? And if so, which one? Yep. I bought a GoPro 8 about okay. two weeks before the GoPro 9 came out. So I'm like really <laughs> kicking myself yeah. there. That happened to be with the Garmin. <laughs> I bought the Garmin Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> and then the new one came out and I was like, are you like, a, like literally like the next day? Yeah. With the Alpha, it's a little different because one of those doesn't come out every year, you know, with the GoPro, it's like that technology cycle. They come out with a new one every year and they've got to make it look, they got to make the new one look better, but you're probably not that far behind Zach. <laughs> well, I need the battery life, the battery life, the front facing, uh, screen, all that stuff. And, right. you know, I, I kicked right. myself, but that's all right. It is your, your, is. your selfies are getting chopped off. 
Yeah, well, I kind of want them that way. I, I want to just be barely in it, so you can see me manipulating the gun and all that. But right, but really right. seeing the dog work and then seeing the bird. He wants yeah. it so that you can get just enough of somebody else so that he can say it's him. <laughs> as long as the yeah. hands are in it. And like, as long as like, yeah. as long as you kill the bird, I can say yeah. it's me. Yeah. 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 Take credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, let's do, let's, let's get the update, man. I'm, okay. I'm eager here. Project well. Upland CZ gun. We, it was a big deal on the on the website over the summer when we were doing the surveys and folks just as a reminder we we had an episode where we basically talked all about it so folks can go check that out I'll put a link to it in the show notes but we asked our audience to vote on a whole suite of features that the CZ gun company could already produce it was nothing like brand new or like extremely innovative but it was all the features if you could have your choice and design your perfect shotgun. And we did multiple rounds and we asked the project up an audience to do so. They ultimately came up with a side-by-side and an over-under that were the quote-unquote winners. And those are the guns that will be produced. Why don't you take it from there and tell yeah, us a little bit so, about what's going on? So we basically, uh, yeah, it, it's nothing, nothing groundbreaking, nothing that we can't do already, but it's yeah. kind of the, there are so many different combinations you could build. Um, so many different things that people ask us for all the time. And, and so we wanted to kind of distill down you know, at least this community's idea, the best, the best shotguns for them. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we ended up with what was surprisingly close to our standard Bob White and our yep. standard Redhead Premier. Uh, so Bob White's a, a side-by-side double trigger gun. Um, and the big upgrades to that, um, the big deal was upgraded wood. Um, yes. the vast majority of people wanted better than, than standard wood. Yeah. Um, so what we ended up with was grade three wood, uh, which is kind of halfway, uh, between our really nice stuff and the field grade stuff. Um, yeah. and actually I've got a stick of grade three right back here. Nice. And I've been, the problem with seeing all the different things that we can do is, is, even for me, that gets the juices flowing. And so uh, with, <laughs> yeah. with us, uh, with CZUSA, we actually do a number of customs every year. And so once I saw all the things we could do, I was like, hmm. And, and so uh, <laughs> if you are interested in the custom gun, we do, we do customs. You, you end up having to, to get fit by our shotgun product manager. And, and, and basically you're ordering a gun that is custom for you. It's, a, it's the engraving that you want, the wood that you want, and fit to your dimensions. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I ended up ordering a custom Bob White myself with one of those, uh, engraving patterns that project Upland did not pick, yeah. which really, uh, you know, I really would have liked to have a little more engraving, um, on our, on our shotgun, but, um, the community basically picked a Bob White, which is our double trigger side by side, uh, English grip, the splinter four. And so a lot of the things that are already on the Bob White, yep. uh, but they added uh, faux side plates, uh, which yep. we have on our sharp tail, uh, which is our single trigger side by side, uh, color case finish, standard engraving. So like nothing, they didn't go too over the top. The wood yep. was really where kind of they splurged, uh, yep. which is really nice. I mean, uh, the grade three wood is uh, a definite, definite upgrade. It doesn't kill you on price, uh, yeah. but man, is it, uh, I mean, it makes it a gun to be proud of personally i think it adds a lot to the gun and you don't see it a lot of the time right like you a lot of time you're gonna see your stock wood so to have this line of gun have the upgraded wood i thought was a pretty big deal for the community to vote on yeah since since people can't see it you should describe the wood in detail 
Oh, well, this one has a lot of uh, mineral streaking. And yep, so, that one's got a lot of streaking. Uh, can I describe it for you? You absolutely can. It's like a it's like a dark whiskey after like a long day's work. Like a <laughs> sweet one. a sweet glass with like a smooth crisp finish. An American made like this a real real glossy like the for the average man but the average man who who earns it. <laughs> or woman, Sam. Or woman or absolute or woman. Well, I think this one's kind of a marble cake. Uh this one yeah. uh, yep, be, yep, yep. because that that uh, you got the dark, dark mineral streaking, and then you have light wood in there. You have a lot of fiddleback. Uh, just a really interesting stick of wood. So, what did we do for chokes on the Project Album Community Gun? So it's got five uh, flush. It's got interchangeable. So it's got interchangeable okay. chokes. Um, they're steel rated chokes, um, and yep. uh, we're going to do it in three gauges: twelve, twenty, and twenty-eight. Nice. Um, and then, uh, ah, man. It, Lots of little things like a lot of the things were just the same as a normal uh, as a normal Bob White. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the, it kind of reaffirmed what we have going. Uh, that that you know, for the most part, we're we're on the right track with uh, with guns like our Bob White. Um, on the Redhead, it was it was again it was very similar to the standard Redhead over under. Um, it had that grade three wood. Um, had some little things like a vented pad. Um, I think it had the. Uh, the magnetic ejectors. So that's a patent patent pending thing that we have that nobody else has is we actually uh, put magnets in the ejectors of that gun. Um, And so when you crack the gun open, if you're, if you're crossing a fence uh, and you crack the gun open and hand it to your, your buddy or put it underneath and then climb over um, the shells aren't going to fall out. Um, the magnets in there will hold that shell in. You could tip the gun upside down. You could, you could shake it with the chambers open and it's going to retain those shells. And because that's an ejector gun, when you fire one or two shots and you crack it open, it's going to, it's going to eject the one that you fired. Uh, and you could just catch that right in your hand, put it right in your bag. Um, but when you put a shell in, you could tip the gun back up and it's never going to fall out. So Just a just a neat thing that we have that nobody else does. I can't downplay too on my because that's what how my upland ultra is with those magnets. I I didn't even realize how great that is because I'll hunt with my with my regular redhead for like pheasants and stuff, and I drop shells constantly. And I like because I like for, I forget that that's like a thing. So I do have to say that magnet stuff is like something you don't even think about, which is super handy to have. Yeah. Well, you got spoiled on by having the one, and then you yeah. go back to the normal redhead and and don't have it. So yeah. Yep, and we're gonna do that in twelve, twenty, and twenty-eight as well. So All right, same thing. Kind of a yep. full a full set of those. So yep. so yeah. What is the status as far as folks looking to possibly lay eyes on one and then put hands on one? Well, so we had planned on debuting these at Pheasant Fest 2021, yep. and sadly, last Wednesday we got the news that they are canceling Pheasant Fest 2021 entirely. Entirely. Oh, I did Whoa. not know that. I, kept, I had kept hearing about the possible postponement of yeah, it, but I did not. It, talk uh, about putting oh. it back to May, but uh, I believe yeah. last Wednesday they decided just not to have it, wow. which is terrible. Yeah, that's, yeah, a that's, 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 that's that like the shining bummer. star at the end of my winter. <laughs> like, Dude, it's a blast really every time. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun last year. It was and too much fun. Really, it was <laughs> Pheasant Fest 2020, earlier this year, February, seems like a long time ago (laughs) based on everything that has happened this year. But that was the last major event that I personally went to. And like that was COVID got pretty serious. Shortly, The last major industry event I think that was held. 
Um, it was right as things kicked off. So, so yeah, it feels like it was years ago. Back to the drawing board as far as release goes. I guess that just gives us an excuse to maybe, maybe, uh, let AJ get a little creative and think about, uh, what kind of a cool (laughs) thing we could do to, to release these new guns. Yeah. We'll we'll figure something out. Yeah. How much, I mean, I don't know if I'm, what's like a ballpark for a 20 on that redhead. Uh, I think we're looking at MSRPs today. Um, it's going to be, I think it's around the 1500 mark. Uh, so the like upgraded wood really, is, I got the upgraded wood. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of bumps it up a bit. So, but yeah, we're, we're basically, we're going to, we have them, we have our first samples on order. Um, okay. and we should be, when we have guns here ready to ship is when we'll really do get hot and heavy about debuting them. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of tease some images out. I think I'm going to, I've got this, uh, this example of this Bob white that I'll probably do a little Photoshop magic too. And sure. we'll, we'll be able to at least take a look at what, it, what they're going to look like. Um, cool. but yeah, we should, uh, when we're, when we're ready to really start, uh, rolling them out, there'll be uh, plenty of info out there. So is that gun that you have right there, Zach, I know the listeners can't see it, but does that have interchangeable chokes? It does. Okay. Yeah. I, that's, that's one thing that I don't know if I would do it. If I, if I could order this, there are a few things I might change about it, but, really? uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I didn't think I was going to love the swamp rib as much as I do. Like when we were talking about the, the swamp rib, yep, I recall uh, that. in that podcast, it might've been last time. Yep. Um, I, I decided that I was going to try it and kind of sight unseen. I just put it on the, the custom gun that I ordered. <laughs> it's a pull love it. <laughs> <laughs> a custom uh, well, yep. And it's one of those things where I, uh, so I bought a, I bought a regular Bob white last year because I wanted to get better with double triggers and I've had a hard time giving up my sharp tail. <laughs> Like I've had a really hard time giving up my sharp tail I've, and I haven't been getting very good with double triggers. And so when, when I got the call that my, my custom gun came and I went, Oh man, I ordered it with double triggers. Didn't I? <laughs> and, uh, so now I have, I have, have, have to get better at double triggers cause yeah. I got a gun that I, I'm going to shoot a lot. So you will, at least you're shooting yeah. in the open country for the most part where, yeah. you know, not to say that you have all the time in the world, but you can take your time. Well, Sometimes it depends on how how hard the wind's blowing. Well, and you know what? I'm speak. I'm not speaking about somebody that's shooting at Bob White Quail because I've never done that, and I don't think they give you a lot of time. <laughs> well, I it's when Bob White when a covey of Bob Whites gets up, it's pure panic. Even if you know they're there, like it, it's like your mind goes blank. I, you know, I've been hunting Bob White Quail for man, wow, more than twenty years. Wow. Uh, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Um, and so my mind still goes blank. I actually got to see the biggest single covey of Bob White quail in my life last Saturday. Um, I, we were, I was driving in to get a deer that Merv had shot and, uh, I, I flushed a quail with the, with the pick, with the truck. And Ooh. so I pulled over and I'm, I'm just going to go see, uh, how big this covey is. Cause it was, it's in the dunes, like just, yeah. it's in a place that I was like, Oh, that's cool to see a covey here. I'd like to see how many birds there are. And, I uh, got up to the cedar tree they were under and I kicked it and the birds started flushing and then they were flushing and then they were flushing. And I, I was like, <laughs> awesome. I couldn't even, I couldn't even pull a trigger because I was just like, I've never seen a single covey that big. Yeah. Um, it was uh, more than 30, 35 birds. Um, and then I, you know, and I was like, okay. And then I walked back to the truck and kicked up a single and I, you know, whiffed on it but uh <laughs> but i just it was just really yep, cool to see nice. that big a covey it, and it was so surprising yeah. and so even after all these years um a covey of bob white's is a special thing i i really enjoy it so 
especially when I'm trying to learn the double trigger thing. Yeah. Um, the, the whole mind scramble that happens when a big, when a decent sized covey gets up, um, all that target fixation and, and basically flock shooting plus trying to remember, Oh yeah, you have to slide back to that second trigger. Right. Um, it, it hasn't been working out that great for me, but it's going to have to, because <laughs> now I got a gun that I need to shoot. So I didn't struggle with it that much, but I think when I pretty much made the switch to double triggers, I basically have been shooting double triggers ever since. So I think that helps in not going back and forth much, you know? Yeah, that's the problem. I have that sharp tail that I love so much. Yeah. I just won't take it with me. I'll just leave it at home. Uh, which, <laughs> yeah. You know, force yourself. Me. Yeah. That's smart. That we can regret it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, ah, I can't uh, do anything. I should rub a sharp tail. Because I feel like that thing, it's just, it it points exactly where I need it to. And I don't know. There's no no thinking involved. I'll eventually get there with a double trigger. We'll see. Well, unfortunately, uh, the fact you brought up Pheasant Fest being canceled, that's a bummer because I know we were all looking forward to that. And certainly feel for the folks at pheasants forever and quill forever i know that's going to be a that's going to be a huge hit to them so we'll have to keep that in mind as we think about supporting conservation organizations going forward but speaking of things that we're looking forward to rewind a little bit back to upland season rest of the way sam anything you're most looking forward to here before things come to a close for you oh it was pheasant season. it was a <laughs> pheasant fest but now that you told me now that you've broken my heart um, yeah sorry uh, no, I mean, as far as like, I, you know, it's funny cause like everything kind of like dies down and basically it just splits into like goose hunting and chucker hunting out here. And, um, yeah, chucker goes for a while, doesn't it? Yeah. It goes almost, to, I think almost to like, almost to February, Jeez. but it's just like, man, it's just great to get out. It's like, it's one of those bird seasons that like, if you put in the time, the commitment and like the the dog connects on them really well and you connect on it really well. And it's just, it's just the most rewarding upland bird hunting you could do. I think as far as like miles versus birds yeah. in country. And it's, yeah, for me, that's, for me, that's the big one. But again, it's like, you know, if I, I always end up like traveling somewhere last minute. So yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about taking like a solo trip to like New Mexico or something, maybe like I'm obsessed with quail since I shot my first quail with Zach yeah. last year. I'm obsessed with them. I mean, like they're hands down my favorite, like or tied for my favorite with every other bird. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm looking. F- yeah, I'm just kind of like I'm just kind of like keeping my head down and yeah, and hunting everything. And yeah, I wish I had something specific, but I don't. There's a lot of things that we can't do with the current state of affairs in the world. Yeah. But but upland hunting is is fortunately one of them. You know, with a with a yeah. few precautions, really. So that's good. Zach, what about you? Rest of the way, upland bird season. You just excited to see what Kansas has to offer for the next couple of months? Yeah, I mean it's been a really good year here. Yeah, uh, we have a ton of quail, um, and I, you know, I see some mixed reports from folks about uh, the successes they're having. But but I think once they kind of figure out some some combinations and, and where to really focus the energies, it, it it's been a good year. Um, yeah. I think it'll continue to be, especially if we get a little snow on the ground and I'm really, I'm trying to figure out a way to get West and, and try to hit some different quail. Um, I've got a dream, a dream of shooting a mountain quail. And so if I can finagle some kind of way to do that, I would love to. I'm probably yeah. free that day. So <laughs> pick him <Finger> up. Guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sam. All right, man, folks to get more information on Wyoming wildlife federation, where do they go? wyomingwildlifefederation.com or .org. <laughs> uh, you can Google it. Um, Just Google Wyoming Wildlife Federation. We'll come up. Uh, uh, yeah. And you can get a whole bunch of info. You know, it's a... Specifically the drawing with you. 
Yeah. So what, just go you on. Want, the, you want to get me a link? I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link for it. Okay. But basically, it's just it's a little donate page. I think you can donate as little as five dollars. But if you like, oh yeah. So just go and make a donation to Wyoming Wildlife Federation from now until until uh, January second. January second. Yeah. You're going to be entered. Yeah, and the minimum's five. But like, if you can afford it, throw us like ten bucks. <laughs> We're an NGO, so it's like I don't even work there, <laughs> you know. So yeah, if you if you can afford it, you know, toss Help us. Out. To, yeah, toss us whatever you can and. We got to keep the lights on. Good deal. Well, Zach, folks get to hear about CZ USA every time they tune into the Project Open podcast, so that's good. But uh, CZ USA.com. Anything else that they should check out? Anything new and interesting that you could think of? Yeah, hit us up on social media. We have uh, CZ USA Field Sports, which is dedicated to hunting and yep. and kind of the shotgun and rifle side of our business. So um, CZ in general, we're, we're a pretty big company. We do shotguns, rifles, pistols, and suppressors. So, I mean, we're kind of, we have our, our fingers in a lot of different areas, uh, but uh, the shotgun side's kind of a, a passion for quite a few of us in the office. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got a, got a heck of a line. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're into pumps or side-by-sides or over-unders or uh, semi-autos. We've got everything. We got, we got side-by-sides with hammers, We've got super lightweight over-unders. I, I don't know. It's it's a good place to work because uh, there's there's something for everybody. There there really is. That's one of the things that I always usually mention about CZUSA. And, yeah, they've got something for everybody, so that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I will load up the show notes with links to the film with Sam and Bobby and Zach and the Wyoming wildlife drawing and all kinds of stuff so folks can go check that out. Thanks for joining me again on the Project Upland podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks again, man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it bo- to both of you, honestly, for all the support for WWF and for me and inviting me on, out on stuff. And thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I do. Good deal, buddy. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. Quick reminder that this episode was brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZ USA Shotguns, Gumleaf USA, Dogtra Collars, ESP Hearing Protection, Trinity Kennels, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to visit ProjectUpland.com to read, watch, and listen to more great upland hunting content. And please, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, leave the podcast a rating and a review that really helps us out and it helps more people find the show thanks again for listening everybody we'll catch you on the next episode of the project up the podcast Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. 
Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gun Doggy Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.